The following content is for mature audiences only and may be seen as graphic and is not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Infertile Millennial, a podcast where we chat all things infertility, IVF, and surviving your fertility journey. I'm Emily Orlando, reminding you that you're not alone. Let's chat fertility. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Infertile Millennial. Today, we have special guest Aubrey, who's sharing her story about her nine-week pregnancy loss and sharing ways on how to cope with miscarriage, as well as tips on making it through the due date of your baby. She'll also be discussing a little bit about her experience with foster care and how her miscarriage has helped her through that process. So we're going to get into that a little bit later, but I thought that this was the perfect time to talk about that dreaded due date after you've had a miscarriage. The day that was supposed to be so incredibly happy, one of the best days of your life, if not the best day of your life, has now turned into this dreaded date that's just looming over you after miscarriage. And it's something that we may not think about right after miscarrying, but as that date gets closer, it is something that does end up on our minds. Those of you who are listening probably already know that I had a miscarriage in early 2020 and my due date was to be actually Thanksgiving of 2020. So what would have been a really incredible Thanksgiving turned into this like looming shadow of a date that was just not sure how I'm going to cope with Thanksgiving, you know, not sure how it's going to go. And I tried to go into it with the mindset of, you know, whatever happens, happens kind of a thing. So I wanted to talk about today some tips of advice on how exactly to cope with that due date, because that is something that for those who've miscarried does become a very difficult thing. I want to share a little bit about my story and how I coped with my due date. And then I want to give some more tips of advice and ideas on how else to cope with it. For me, I had my miscarriage in early April, I believe it was, and I had a really, really rough, basically summer. Summer was really hard on me. Thankfully, because it was COVID and everything was shut down, I never really had to socialize with a lot of people, and I was able to kind of do my grieving at my own pace because, as we all know, we were all stuck at home and there really wasn't anything else to do, so I really had to just kind of be with myself and my husband and grieve this loss and that was a really really hard time in my life. By September I knew I had to go get help and talk to a therapist because I knew that sitting and grieving just as I was just wasn't enough for me. Everybody grieves differently but for me I knew that I needed to move forward because I kind of felt stuck at this point. So throughout September and October I was actually starting to feel a little bit better as I'd been talking with a therapist. Come November everything was fine up until about a week before my due date came and I started to notice that I felt as though emotionally and mentally I was miscarrying all over again. I couldn't understand why until I realized oh my due date is coming and so subconsciously I had known my due date was coming but I didn't realize it at the time until that grief just smacked me in the face. I personally from what I can recall didn't think that my due date was going to be all that hard on me because I felt like I was in a really, really good place emotionally. I just didn't think it was going to be that hard of a day. And I remember speaking with my therapist and at that point she said, you know what? I know that day is coming, but don't immediately think that you're going to just be a complete wreck. Go into that day accepting that whatever you're feeling is what you're feeling, but don't have expectations of, oh, I'm going to feel horrible all day or I'm gonna feel fine you know because our expectations sometimes aren't met or we create these false expectations or unrealistic expectations of how we should feel which by the way there's no way you should feel it's just only how you do feel and so she told me just go in with that day with the thought of this is a hard day but it doesn't mean that I'm gonna have a hard time she also recommended to me to do something to help myself release or understand what I'm feeling. And so what she recommended to me on my due date was to basically do a brain dump. And I've talked about brain dumps on here a few times. I talk about them on Instagram a lot. I talk about them on my blog. 
Brain dumps are where you just sit down with a pen and paper and you just do a free write and you write out whatever's on your mind. And you may not know what's going to come up, but whatever does, just write it down. Nobody's going to see it. Just write it down. And if an emotion surfaces, let that emotion out. So I was like, okay, I will do a free write. So the morning of Thanksgiving in 2020, I sat down. I think I lit a candle to make it nice and I opened my journal and I just wrote and surprisingly for me what came out was gratitude which sounds crazy I had no idea that gratitude was going to come out I did cry in the beginning I just kind of wrote like you know today could have possibly been the day that I finally got to meet this baby that we've been working so hard to create and it's not and it sucks and I wish that that baby was in my arms that day and I wish that this was a happy day and not a sad day and then I moved forward with, but I'm so grateful that I was strong enough to move move forward with this. And that was a really shocking emotion to have for me. I never would have thought that I would have gratitude on a day like that. And so it ended up being a pretty good day. I did my brain dump and I felt this sense of relief of, oh wow, I'm I feel gratitude for for the day. Had I not done that, I wonder, you know, would I have been really short that day, short-tempered? Would I, have, would I have had a little bit more anger? Would I have been more emotional? And I allowed myself that time to just sit down and let my emotions come out, whatever they may be, write out what I'm feeling. And when I'm done, I'm done. And so I kind of, when you do a brain dump, you do it in a way of, you don't force anything to come out. So if nothing else is coming out, then you're done. And I feel like I, I gave my myself the permission and the time to do that and it just truly did help me that day and 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 the rest of the day I spent with my husband we cooked a nice Thanksgiving meal just the two of us and it was really lovely and so I that was how I coped with my due date but I wanted to give you guys some more ideas if you are in the the process of where you're in between miscarrying and the due date and you know it's going to come and you're not really sure how should I cope with this or how can I cope with this properly? So let's talk about a few ideas on how to do that. So number one, acknowledging the due date. I think that if we were to walk through this process and pretend like this date didn't exist, it's not going to be helpful. You have to acknowledge that, okay, this is the due date. This is the day because if we don't do that, more than likely if that day comes up subconsciously, you're going to get all these emotions coming out, you know, around that day or during that day, maybe so, maybe not. But if you do, you might be like, why am I so upset and angry and all of these emotions surfacing today? And it's because, oh, today's your due date. So acknowledging that that due date is coming, I think is key. Being honest with yourself, like, hey, this date's coming. It may or may not be hard, but this is the day. Number two is to take care of yourself around that time. And it's not just the due date itself, but even the weeks prior. Because like I said, I know for myself, as I was going into the month of November, I started to feel like I was grieving again and I couldn't understand why. And it was like, oh yeah, it's probably because that date's coming up. I expected myself to only feel emotional that day, but I was actually feeling quite emotional the week prior and up to that date. I made sure to let myself, you know, feel whatever I was feeling, to be gentle with myself, to only do the things that truly made me feel happy that week, and to say, you know what, it's okay if you feel emotional right now because that's what you feel. And so that goes right into my next point of allow yourself to feel what you need to. Just because you miscarried eight, seven, six months ago, or however long ago, it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to continue grieving or getting emotional about it for however long after you need to. So it's really important that if you are feeling angry, let yourself feel angry. Let people around you know, hey, I'm feeling angry and this is just how it is. For however, you know, the day of, the week of, whatever. Or I'm really upset, I I don't feel like socializing. That's okay too. feeling a little bit bitter, resentment, jealous, don't want it, not wanting to be around other people or family members with kids, like that's all okay. And just because it happened months ago does not mean you have to be over it or you can't feel what you're feeling that week. It's a really hard time 
And so I just wanna let you know that anything that you're feeling around that time is completely valid. So the next thing I highly recommend is to let others know around you that this date might be tough because unfortunately, after many of us, you know, have a loss, you know, that, that week or two around that loss, people are checking in and helping you through it, but they often forget that there are other dates that come up that are hard. We need to be checked on after our miscarriage. So if people aren't actively doing that, I would just give them a heads up and say, hey, I just wanna let you know that this date might be tough for me. So whether that means I need support from you or I just need you to understand where I'm coming from that day or the weeks leading up, I just need you to know. And if you're someone who has a loved one who's experienced a miscarriage and you wanna know how how can I support that person around that due date? Because like I said, the due date's really, really difficult. First of all, definitely check in on them that day. Let them know you're thinking of them. Send them flowers. You could send a gift basket with like little cozy goodies. I just launched a warrior candle for Infertile Millennial. You could always send them. I've got greeting cards, mugs, things like that. And above that, you know, you could send them cozy socks, just little things to make them feel good. You can make them a dinner. You could grab a gift card to their favorite restaurant so that the couple can go out to dinner and maybe kind of like release some tension and just kind of like let loose for a night. You could get them their favorite coffee. You could get them a gift that pampers them, maybe a gift card to a salon or a spa, anything like that. Just let them know like, hey, you know what? I know this is hard, but I'm here for you and I think you need, you deserve to treat yourself. So if you are also experiencing loss, and your due date is coming up yourself, you could also do something to honor your baby. That might make you feel really good. You could write a letter to your baby. You could plant a bush if the weather's, you know, warm enough or like some kind of tree or flower, anything like that to kind of watch that thing grow and thrive. You could get a tattoo to remember the baby, a piece of jewelry, anything at all to commemorate that loss is very therapeutic. Last but not least, just take time for the two of you. Don't force anything, you know, let yourself feel whatever you're going to feel that day. You had plans and then you wake up and you feel like, I don't really feel like doing this. Don't do it. Or you might wake up and say, you know what? I really want to go out today and do something. Do whatever is going to make you feel happy that day. I think that's the most important. Remember that you are not being selfish for needing this time to grieve this. This is a hard thing to go through. So we're going to get into our interview with Aubrey in just a moment after this quick message. Are you or someone you know struggling with infertility or pregnancy loss? Shop Infertile Millennial is a dedicated gift shop to show your support, send a little sunshine, remind yourself of the warrior in you, or offer some encouragement to someone you know. Plus, we've just launched our new warrior candle, handcrafted in Los Angeles and made with 100% soy wax. Shop the warrior candle and more at infertilemillennial.com shop. All right, so thank you so much for coming on. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're located, how'd you meet your husband, and when you got married? Okay, well, I'm um, Aubrey Stanley. I live in Oklahoma City. That's where I'm from. And I have been married to my husband, Jarrett, for um, almost four years now. We met in the fourth grade, actually. Um, our moms worked together, and so we've been friends since elementary school, um, but we started dating in our junior year of high school, so that's like coming up on 10 years, which is crazy. Um, I'm a teacher, and um, we also have a foster son that is two years old, and we got him in March. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So did you guys start trying right away when you got married, or did you wait a little bit? So we... I got off birth control um, about six months after we got married because it made me feel super sick. Um, but I wouldn't say we actively started trying right away. I mean, we weren't really preventing it. Um, but we actively started trying in, I would say, 2020. I don't know an exact date. Um, so last year was when we really thought, okay, you know, let's start tracking your cycle and let's um, let's start trying. So, so how soon after you started trying, did you find out that you were pregnant? So we started trying, I would say in about at the beginning of 2020 and we found out we were pregnant 
on May 28th. Um, so about five, five months after. Oh, okay. So that was pretty, pretty quick for your first time. Yeah. Did you end up having any symptoms before you for sure found out that you were pregnant? Like, were you skeptical that maybe, maybe I might be pregnant? Yeah. So I, any symptom I had, I kind of would write it off. So I would be, get a little nauseous and I'm like, Oh, this could be whatever reason, you know? Um, but the, and I was late on my period, which was, I don't have the most consistent period. So that was pretty normal. Um, but I was about, I think five or six days late. So I started to kind of think that's a little late. Um, and then we, I actually went to coffee with one of my friends. I get coffee all the time and, um, we pull up and I was like, um, I don't really know what I want today. Like coffee doesn't sound good. And she just looked at me and she was like, um, that's really weird. Like, are you pregnant? And so, um, I just went ahead and took a test that night and I was, and I was, and that was super crazy, but yeah. That's really funny. I feel like I've heard that coffee is one of like the first signs that people know that they're pregnant because a lot of people have that weird reaction of like, that doesn't sound good to me. Oh, maybe I'm pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it was super strange. So did you take a test and then tell your husband or did you kind of like take one with him or how did that go? We actually took it together. So I came home from work and I was like, so this happened today, you know, kind of funny. And he goes, well, just let's go ahead and take one. And that way, you know, you know, so you don't get your hopes up if you think that you are, or you know, that. So, so yeah, I took one and he was with me and I will never forget. I was so nervous. I, grabbed the, or I took the test and I like set it to the side and didn't even look at it. Um, and so I like set a timer and I flipped it over and immediately he could tell by my reaction, like that it was positive. That was just shocking. So did you guys tell anybody right away or did you kind of keep it a secret? We told some of our close friends, I was really sick. So it was hard to hide it around the people we were around. Um, I was, I had constant morning sickness Um, and so we did tell a few friends, we decided to not tell our family right away though. Um, which I kind of regret now, but, um, so our family didn't know we wanted to wait until our first doctor's appointment. Okay. So why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about that pregnancy and how, how it all went? Yeah. So we were super excited, obviously, um, starting a family, uh, has been our biggest dream. I mean, we have talked about that since high school. I mean, we both come from really broken families. So that's just something that we've been really passionate about is just starting our own family and giving a child or children what we didn't have. Um, And right after we took the test, so we were living in a small town in Western Oklahoma at the time. And right after we took the test, it was like an immediate, we need to move back to Oklahoma City. That's where we're from. Um, so literally the next day, we were we were getting ready to move. I mean, we put notice in for jobs. I mean, all kinds of things. It was just very clear to us. Um, and all of our family lives in Oklahoma City too. So we knew we wanted to get back there. And like I said earlier, I had all the symptoms. I mean, I was so sick all the time. Um, I could not eat. I couldn't keep anything down. Um, it was miserable in that sense, but I was also, I remember telling Jarrett, my husband so many times, like, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Like that was it. I mean, um, I went to my OB when I was nine weeks. And so up to that point, I mean, everything seemed like a normal pregnancy. I was sick. I was having symptoms. And then at that appointment, they, that was my first OB appointment ever. So I was very nervous. So we go in and the doctor is, everything looks great. You know, the baby's measuring nine weeks. Um, and then he checks the heartbeat and the heartbeat was very low. It was 125 beats per minute, which is very low for, um, for nine weeks. So he checks it like, I want to say five different times and our mood at that appointment just completely changed. Like you would never think that something was wrong with your first pregnancy. You know, you just don't, you don't go in expecting that. 
So basically at that appointment at the end, um, the doctor said, you know, you probably have a 50-50 chance of the baby surviving. I've just, he's, he had never seen um, a baby at nine weeks with that low of a heartbeat. So that's where my pregnancy was going great. We were so excited and that just was where it went like a complete 180. So did you have to then wait until another appointment to find out how things were going and how long in between that appointment till the next appointment did you have to wait? Yeah. So what he did is he said, you know, since you've got about a 50, 50 chance, we'll see you next week. So it was an exact, exactly a week later. So we scheduled that appointment and in all of this time, I mean, we were going to move the next week. So my next appointment was on a Thursday and we were going to move the next Friday to Oklahoma city throughout that whole seven weeks. I mean, we were rocked. There was really no reason that the baby's heart rate rate should have been low. They did a bunch of testing um, and all the results came in throughout that week of waiting for my next appointment. And they said, everything is normal. So that's a good sign. Um, And I also had all of the same symptoms for that entire week. I mean, even the morning of my second appointment, I was throwing up. I mean, it was just, it was normal. We waited that week and we're in the midst of that. We're packing our house and all that. And we go to our second appointment. Um, It was July 2nd and we go in and I was 10 weeks at that time or should have been. And so my doctor did a um, ultrasound on my stomach and he said, okay, the be- the baby is measuring same as last week, so nine weeks, which is not a good sign. And then he also said that he couldn't find a heartbeat. And so he goes, I'm going to switch ultrasound methods. I'll do a vaginal ultrasound just to make sure because, you know, again, the baby wasn't really big enough to detect on um, the stomach ultrasound. So um, he switched methods and same thing, no heartbeat. And so that was just devastating. I mean, we were had been like praying the whole week and just like, please make it be normal. And it wasn't. So um, technically I had a missed miscarriage because I was still having all of the symptoms. It's like my body hadn't processed the loss yet. So in between, like in between the time of the first visit to the second, what, how were you able to kind of like stay sane during that whole week of having to wait? I honestly don't know. I mean, it was literally just a survival week. I mean, it was like, let's just get through this. You know, um, I, we did end up telling our families after our first appointment, we had really fun plans that day to tell them in like these creative ways. And then when we got the news of, you know, there's a 50% chance that you're miscarrying or you will miscarry, we just kind of, we changed our tune. And so it really helped to have our families supporting us in that week and just kind of standing beside us. And so that's really probably how I got through it. If we were doing it alone, I'm not sure that I could have. So what ended up have happening after that 10 week visit? Mm. So he gave me, my doctor gave me a few options. Um, I obviously wasn't, my body wasn't processing the loss and it wasn't going into the miscarrying process on its own. So he said, you know, I can give you medicine um, that will basically force it to happen or you can have a DNC. Um, He was really nervous about the medicine making me bleed too much. Um, and so I opted for a DNC and we, so we had that appointment on a Thursday, the next day we moved and I was still having pregnancy symptoms, even though I knew that I had lost the baby. That was horrible. Um, and then the Saturday, it was actually a Saturday on 4th of July. I had, um, a DNC, which was, I didn't know what a DNC was before that, because why would you, if you would never expect to to go through that. The surgery just felt really awful going in. It was like I was giving my baby up. Like it just felt like I was giving up in reality. I mean, it was, it was already done. So, but the procedure went well and I just had a little bit extra bleeding, um, than they expected. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's what happened after that appointment. Could you maybe, and if it's too much for you, that's totally fine. I understand. But could you maybe walk someone through exactly what to expect during a DNC, especially if maybe they're listening to this and they know they have to get one or 
maybe someday they have to get one, you know, who knows, but I think that might be really helpful or important for someone to kind of, to learn what to expect. Yeah. So, um, based on my experience, um, they did the DNC in the hospital. So it's something that, um, it's a surgery. So you go in and, um, they will prep you just like a normal surgery. You'll get an IV. Um, they put you under, at least I did. I've heard that you can do it other ways, but at least from my experience, I did go under anesthesia and, um, I was back there, they did the surgery, and then I was out. I don't know how specific we want to get, um, but basically they um, dilate you and then they remove, you know, the baby and all of the pregnancy things that are are in there. So, um, and then recovery-wise, it can be different for everyone. They do give you pain medication, um, and I didn't take it. I didn't really need it, but a lot of people do. Um, so you can be in a lot of pain afterwards. And then you could also expect some bleeding as well, just your body trying to regulate and get back to normal. How did you cope with your miscarriage? Like the following days after the surgery, how did you cope with all of that? Yeah, I would say the, well, at first of all, it was devastating to us. Like, I can't express that enough. Um, Looking back, I think the things that helped me cope was one, writing. I wrote a lot about um, the experience as a whole, but I really, I wrote my first blog post about my miscarriage, I think a couple days after my surgery. Maybe I might've waited a week, Um, just processing it. um, I really processed through writing. And so that was probably the biggest um, way that I coped. It just helped me process things. And it also helped other people know what Jared and I were going through. And so that kind of helped them come alongside us and help us and support us, which, um, like I said earlier, I don't think I, we could have made it without people. Um, I also did therapy. So I started therapy. My miscarriage was in July and I started therapy in September because, in September, I mean, it had been a couple months and it, I wasn't feeling any better. Like it was a constant just feeling of grief and loss and everything. So I decided I needed help and I did. And so I went to therapy. Um, something else that helped was just like communicating with Jarrett. Um, men and women tend to process loss and especially miscarriage different ways. Um, and so communicating to him about my feelings and um, him being able to communicate to me was a huge, um, huge deal. I let myself feel what I needed to feel. I didn't, I think that's really important because, you know, with all of the stigma surrounding miscarriage, we can just kind of expect that we need to feel a certain way or push feelings down. And I really didn't, I tried not to do that. I really just felt what I needed to feel. I would write it down if I felt like, wow, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, And so that's something that I think really helped me process. And I was also pretty open on social media and my blog about those things. Um, And so, yeah, I I would think that's really the main ways that I coped in this last couple months. Did you know anyone who'd ever had a miscarriage previously or were you the only one that you like personally knew? I didn't have anyone close to me that had had a miscarriage before that I knew of. Um, You know, when I shared my story, I had people reach out and say, you know, this happened to me too. Um, But in the moment or, you know, before I shared my story, I, I had no idea. I mean, I didn't know anyone. And so I didn't know who to turn to for advice or anything like that. So that was really hard. Um, And that's kind of why I share my story. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I feel like it's nice to know that someone else has experienced something similar. It might not be exactly the same way, but we all are very much understanding of what each other's emotions feel like. Like we, it's like you kind of connect on a different level. Like I totally understand everything you were feeling, you know, and vice versa. And so I think... It is very important to connect or find somebody who does understand, who's gone through those, you know, that type of grief, because it is, it's a harder grief to go through because you're not grieving. It's different than grieving somebody who, you know, there's like a physical thing to grieve. 
Um, I know some women do get to grieve like a physical baby sometimes, but often when it's early enough like that, like it's like we never got to grieve like the physical aspect of it. So it's harder to like wrap our brains around. But what I wanted to bring up was that you had a blog post and you were, you kind of just like shared your notes. And in one of the things you mentioned that you weren't just grieving, you know, the loss of your baby, but you were grieving, you know, um, any time there was a pregnancy announcement in January or any time, you know, that you were thinking of something in the future that could have been yours and it's no longer. And I feel like that's really important to discuss because I don't think people realize, especially if they've never had miscarriages, it's not just about the loss itself, but the loss of what could have been. Which is something that you never think yeah, like you said, you never think about it. Um, I mean, Jarrett and I both, I mean, we had moved to Oklahoma City because we were pregnant. You know, we wanted to raise our baby around our family. And so when we moved and we weren't pregnant anymore, that made everything really evident. It's like, okay, we're here and we don't have our baby. You know, it's, I mean, everything that we had planned for or hoped for just wasn't it just wasn't happening anymore. So you have to grieve that. Um, And also we were so excited. I mean, it would be our first baby. It was our first pregnancy. And so we just had to grieve. I mean, the loss of that. And when you find out you're pregnant, I mean, you automatically, at least for me, we just started planning accordingly. And, you know, you just don't plan for a loss. I mean, you never plan for a loss. So that was really difficult. But I, I will never forget seeing pregnancy announcements for I was going to be due in January. And I will never forget seeing those for the months that I did. Um, And even now seeing the babies that people have had that made those announcements is just really, it's still hard for me to deal with. Like when I see pictures of them, I'm like, oh, like happy for them. But that's what we could have had. You know, we really should have had a almost five month old right now. Um, And so, yeah, it's something that people don't talk about. Um, and, but I think it's one of the most lonely, most difficult parts of miscarriage is thinking about what could have been. I think like, yeah, the first year after your miscarriage, maybe even year and a half is the hardest because you, when you go on to see people get pregnant within the same time frame that you were, and then you see them, you know, birth a live baby, it just kind of reminds you of like, oh, I would have also had a baby right now and I don't and so that can be very difficult to work through that and just I think anytime you see a pregnancy announcement after you've had a miscarriage it's just like a little like punch in the gut basically like it just digs a little deeper than before you know so what are some tips of advice that you would give to someone who wants to know how to support someone through their miscarriage I love this question I've actually had a few people reach out to me um who you know their sister-in-law has had a miscarriage or um you know their best friend and they'll ask me hey what do I need to do I mean I want to be there for them but I don't know how and what I tell them is just actions over words what I've learned is that words to a person who is going through loss, they don't really mean anything. And most of the time you're going to say something that really, really hurts, even though you don't intend to. So my like biggest piece of advice is just say, I'm so sorry. And I'm with you. I'm here for you. But nothing that could come across, just leave it at that. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm here standing with you. Um, I also say, you know, if you want to do something, but you feel like you don't know what to do, take them dinner, take them their favorite coffee, um, just schedule time with them to just sit and listen and maybe open up this space to them to say, if you would like to talk about this, I'm here. And if not, I'm here too, you know, just kind of just letting them know that you're there. Um, But I also had a lot of people ask me, you know, um, or say, you know, let me know if you need anything. Let me know if you need anything. And that's really a nice thing to say. And I know people are genuine when they say that. You're not going to let someone know, you know, like, hey, I really need to talk about this or, hey, I could really use a pick me up. You know, you're not going to reach out and do that. And so my 
biggest thing that I've learned the most in being there for other people is just do it. I mean, just do it. Send the flowers, send the card, um, because you're way less likely to offend them that way, you know, by just doing it to rather asking them, you know, well, what do you need? Because most of the time we don't know what we need. um, And it's just overwhelming to think about, you know, anything else. So um, I also want to want to say that you have to realize that grieving a miscarriage is a lifelong process. And so keep checking in, Um, even if it's been months, years. I mean, it's still to this day um, is, I mean, your whole life, it's going to be a grieving process. So keep checking in, um, but know that the first few months for most women are excruciating. So like really show up then and then just kind of check in periodically. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said, and um, especially with just like, don't just say something, but actually do something. And I think a lot of people, they don't know how to treat a miscarriage because they really truly don't, for some reason, classify it as the same type of grief as, as if you lost someone. But really, truly, that process is almost identical. I mean, literally, I can compare it because when I had a miscarriage, I don't know how many months, four months later, my grandpa passed away. So I was like grieving, you know, the loss of a miscarriage and then the loss of a physical person who I've known my entire life. And I can tell you that that feeling is the exact same afterwards. And so I think people, for some reason, don't quite get it. And so really, I always say like, treat it as though there really was like a death in the family. Like people do bring you know somebody who's grieving food after a funeral or you know they'll give them like a gift basket to make them feel better and so i i feel like if people could just sort of grasp that idea that it's the same type of grieving process maybe that's a little bit more helpful but yeah it's it's all very much the same afterwards what what were some of the hardest things that you feel like you had to deal with post miscarriage? Um, I think the hardest thing I've talked about this already is just like the complete and utter shattering of all the dreams and the plans that we had. Um, and just kind of rebuilding what our future was going to look like. Also just the disappointment of everything and just the utter shock. I mean, it was just, it was very traumatic and I had not neither Jared or I had experienced that big of a loss. And we also didn't think that anyone really understood. That was probably one of the hardest parts. People don't really talk about miscarriage openly. And so that was really hard. It felt very lonely. And I almost felt like the things that I was sharing was almost overreacting. You know, I just felt like I shouldn't feel the way that I felt because I hadn't heard anyone just have that. I mean, it just, it wrecked us and I hadn't, I hadn't heard anyone say that, you know, they had that hard of a time. I mean, it was just kind of like swept under the rug and they moved on and I could not do that. And so I just felt really almost guilty and lonely. Um, And so that was probably the hardest part is just that frustration and all of those mixed emotions and things that are difficult to process. I'm wondering if maybe you learned the same thing that I did in therapy, which was that um, never say to yourself, I shouldn't feel this way because we cannot, no human being on the planet of the earth can control what emotion surfaces within them. It's all, that. that's just how you feel. And to like shame yourself for, oh, I shouldn't feel this way is just something that we have to stop doing, especially with grief because there is no timeline for your grief you cannot control how you feel and anything that you're feeling is completely valid so I'm do you feel like you learned kind of the same thing going through therapy and everything yeah I mean I definitely did it was just it was a process for sure I think it still is what's something that you think you learned about yourself after miscarriage um I learned that I'm stronger than I think I am you know I did not I would have never thought One, that I would make it through that type of loss, um, which I guess you don't really have a choice, but, and that I would share the things that I've shared. Um, I don't, I'm not like a super outgoing person and um, I don't know, I just would have never expected myself to go through it the way that I have. Um, And it wasn't perfect, it's very messy, but I feel like I'm stronger than I ever thought. 
So that's really the main thing I learned. Um, and I also learned how to be there for someone who has gone through loss. Um, I feel like going through this made me realize that I have not been good at that. Um, and so that's something that, um, that I know how to do now. I think, yeah, what you said that you learned that how much stronger you really are. Like you think, oh, there's no way I could ever make it through that. And and when I say make it through that, I mean like how can one, you know, lose a baby and then go back to being themselves again? You know, it kind of feels like how would I ever get out of that pain or like how could I ever move on? I'll just always be sad. And like that's one thing I always thought too. Going through fertility treatments, I was like, I cannot – I don't want, I said, I'd rather never get pregnant than have a miscarriage. And so having a miscarriage, you know, you're like, how will I ever move on from this? You know? And so it's, you realize like how strong you are once you finally, you know, you're not completely ever moved on, I don't think, but you can heal a little bit from that. So I think that's like a very surprising thing that you'll learn about yourself after loss like that. Yeah. It takes time too. How, what are some ways that you use to cope with the due date of miscarriage? Because I know for me, it, it was surprising how difficult that due date was for me. I didn't realize that was going to be such a hard day. I actually thought it would be easy. And then as that week came up for myself, I started, um, it had, it had been like obviously, you know, eight ish, seven months since I miscarried and I was doing better. And then like that week, I realized I'm like, why do I feel like I'm miscarrying all again, all over again, you know? So how did you cope with that date after your miscarriage? Yeah, I actually, so I'm the opposite of you. I thought that day was going, which it was, I thought it was going to be brutal. I mean, I dreaded that day pretty much from, you know, July 4th, <laughs> um, on. I was just not looking forward to it. I I don't know. It was always in the back of my mind. I think I wrote about that at some point in time, but I was dreading it. And so, you know, I talked to my husband and I was like, what can we do on that day? What should we do? What should it look like? Because I was expecting to just be a complete wreck. Um, and so something we did to cope is we both took off work that day. Um, I realize not everyone can do that or would want to, but for us, it was like, let's, let's just give us this day. Like we've been through so much. We've walked through so much. Let's take the day off. And so we did. And that day we just, you know, we went to our favorite coffee shop and we did things that just brought us joy and things we would do, you know, on a happy day. And that really helped. We also, my husband was going to get a tattoo for the baby and he did. So he scheduled it on that day. And so he got a tattoo. Um, and then I ended up getting one too. Um, it was, it's just love, but, um, so it's not specific to the baby in general, but, um, it's what we learned from the miscarriage is I think the biggest thing is above all things, love, show love. And, um, so that's really what we wanted to remember. Um, and so that's why I got that tattoo. But that day we also had people who knew like, Hey, January 26th is our due date. And so, you know, I had, we had people checking in on us, sending flowers. Um, and so that was really special to kind of just a way to honor our baby's life. Um, you know, we didn't, really do anything concrete other than I guess the tattoos but um we just felt a lot of peace that day like it was almost like I had we had permission to say okay you know this is what our baby meant to us or still means to us this is what we've learned and it kind of allowed us to heal more as we moved from that day I'm actually curious to know what your husband got because my husband was like considering getting one too but he's like unsure so I was wondering, what did he get? He got a hummingbird, um, and a hummingbird um, means it means healing and it means peace. Um, and so he got that. His original plan was to get the baby's heartbeat like in a line on the hummingbird wing. Um, but when we got there, the artist was having a really hard time fitting it in, so he didn't end up getting that. But um, yeah, he chose a hummingbird. He'd always want a wanted a bird tattoo, and so he looked for one that would you know. 
um, kind of signify the experience of loving that baby. So yeah, hummingbird. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I like that. So where are you now in your journey? Yeah, so we are, for a long time, we like couldn't try. I mean, it was just like a, it, we were, you know, traumatized like everyone is. Um, so we're just kind of at the point where we're starting to try again. Um, we're open to it now for a while. I was like, I just, we, I literally can't, you know, I can't imagine going through that again. Um, and we had also started our foster care process in October. And so we were really focusing on that. Um, so now we're going to start trying or we have, um, but I will say I had a huge disappointment last month. My period was, um, eight days late and it's never been that late other than the time that I got pregnant. Um, but I was terrified to take a pregnancy test because negative tests just, i really have a hard time, which I know that I'm sure you can relate to. And so I finally got got the courage to take it and it was negative and I got my period the next day. And so it's just a roller coaster of emotions. And I'm like, so it's just a process that we're working through and just talking, talking through, um, just our next steps and kind of how we want to handle, you know, those negative tests that I'm sure we'll get more of. But, um, we're kind of at the point where we want to hope again. We are hopeful again, but we're also terrified of the loss. Yeah, that's really understandable. Um, I would love if you are open to it, if you wanted to kind of just tell us a little bit about your fostering experience. Like, where did that all start? Um, how did that process go for you? Yeah, so we have always known we were going to foster. That's just been something that's on our hearts. Um, either foster or adopt, we weren't really sure. And we had always talked about it, but we thought that it would be after we had our own kids. So, you know, figure it out, have our own kids, and then do that. Um, but in October, um, we just really felt, I mean, it was very clear to us, just like the move to Oklahoma City was, it was very clear, you need to foster now, or at least put in the application. Like, it was just clear that we have to put in the application to foster. So we did. Um, and we just went through DHS. And the process of being approved for fostering is kind of brutal. I mean, it's pretty intense. You have to do a lot of paperwork, background checks, fingerprints. You have 20 plus hours of training. You have home visits. You have um, pretty intense interviews with a counselor that basically evaluates um, you individually and as a couple. What else? I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting, but it took us about five months to get through that process um, just to get approved as a resource family for DHS. And throughout the whole process, we're thinking, wow, this is really tough, but we were sure we knew we wanted to do it. Our original plan was to, you know, maybe adopt, but then we switched um, to fostering um, because we just felt we just felt it. So, so in March, we were finally approved and we'd gotten a few placement calls and the, the way it works is they literally, you know, they just start calling people on their call list when they get, um, information from a caseworker that a child needs a home, they just start calling. Um, and so we had gotten a few calls, I think three or four, and we'd said, yes, you know, we'll take this child, but it didn't work out. Um, and so, um, on March, it was, I think after spring break, so middle of March, we get a call for um, a two-year-old and we said yes. And then we talked to the caseworker, got his background. Um, It's a very unique case that I obviously can't talk about publicly, but he was at our house within five days. We actually had a little longer than normal foster care situations. Normally it's like, okay, we'll bring him over in an hour. Um, But we had some time to prepare. And so um, we got him on March 24th and Um, He was almost two at the time, um, and he's super sweet little boy. I mean, but he's two, so there's, you know, two-year-olds are no joke, and going from not having a child in the home to a two-year-old is an experience. Um, But we're learning a lot about foster care, and we're learning a lot about ourselves, too, but he's been the biggest blessing. Like, I'm pretty sure he's blessed us and our families more than we've you know, blessed him. So it's been, it's been a fun journey so far. So, um, when you foster, cause I'm not super familiar with the process and how it works, but do you know how long that 
he'll be with you or is are you thinking of maybe like foster to adopt at any point? So we would be open to fostering to adopt um, for sure if, you know, if the case came to that. For him, we knew that that was not the case. Um, he will not be um, available for adoption. That's They made that pretty clear at the beginning. Um, and so our original thought was that we would have him for about five months, um, but the caseworker has talked to us and said, you know, we're thinking it's going to be longer. And so um, we really don't know how long we'll have him. So that's kind of hard because you don't know, you know, for five months, you're like, okay, if he's definitely leaving on this day, I can, you know, get my brain there. Um, But yeah, we really don't know. Um, We'll know more as time goes on. So we really just have to take it one day at a time. Um, I will say for someone who has experienced loss and fostering and knowing that there is going to be a loss is really, really tough. Um, But I feel like we're already, like we're already grieving his loss in a way, you know, like we're going to lose him and we know it's going to be hard, but we really just, I don't know, we just decided that it was worth it. Like just being able to love on him and, um, you know, hopefully change his life in some way um, was going to be worth the pain that we will end up feeling. So I think if I hadn't gone through a miscarriage or if we hadn't gone through that together, I don't know that we would have that mindset. Um, because what you hear a lot of people say is, you know, I could never foster, you know, I, I would get too attached. And that's really the point. So I think our brokenness that we have mixed with, you know, his story, that's obviously broken. Um, it just kind of creates this, this unique, um, love and kind of a place for healing too so so what's something um that you wish people knew about what it's like to grieve a miscarriage i wish people knew that you can't just get over it you know it, it, i feel like miscarriage truly changes you and i think people just expect for the person to just get over it and move on and be the person that they were before, um, I don't think people realize how hard it is. And I don't know that you actually can unless you go through it yourself. I know I didn't before I went through it. And like I said earlier, it's a lifelong journey. Um, It will change through the seasons. I remember, you know, in July and August, like we talked about, I thought it was never going to end. Like I was always going to be in the most excruciating pain of my life. But now, you know, we're almost a year removed from it. And I still grieve. I still, you know, wish that that didn't happen. But I also have the perspective of we wouldn't be where we are. We probably wouldn't be fostering. We, you know, there's just a lot of things that we love in our life right now that wouldn't have happened. And so, you know, that changes through the seasons and um, it's hard. It's like, a, it's a, it's a really hard loss. Yeah, I agree. I think too, it just kind of like what you said, like changes through the seasons. Like sometimes you might, it's really hard in the beginning and then it gets a little better and then maybe it gets hard again because then you're reminded of all new things that you never thought of and then it's kind of this just like weird flow of it's not like a straight line it just kind of goes up and down for a while well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and I hope that you know when you're ready you are able to conceive again and have a happy and healthy baby thank you so much I really appreciate just the It's an honor to be able to share my story. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Aubrey, for coming on and sharing your story. And as always, if you or someone you know wants to be a guest on the podcast, make sure to email me at emily at infertilemillennial.com and I will see you guys in the next episode.